everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. So today we're going to talk about <clears throat> fighting for what you love, primarily because this is the love week. This is the love week. Um, and this week uh, we're going to be celebrating uh, Valentine's Day and um, and I and I and I just want to mention that uh, I don't know if if you remember uh, when you fell in love, if you're married, uh, or if you're single in a relationship. Uh, but I remember when I fell in love. Oh God, I remember when I fell in love. <laughs> Woo! Y'all want to hear the gossip? I mean, you want to hear the story? I'm just sorry. I was at a Christian concert. It was a Christian concert. And let me, let me, let me just emphasize on that phrase, Christian concert. I was at a Christian concert. I was not at a, I was at a Christian concert. Okay. I don't have to go to the world to find my wife. Uh, anyway, all right, all right. I was at a Christian concert, and and I remember the Christian concerts when I was a young uh, a youngster are not like the Christian concerts today. Um, I was telling my brother and 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 Andrew on the ride back from Pontiana that that there were things that were uh, not tolerated back in the times of church. Um, the church, uh, the upbringing, uh, come from a Pentecostal, ultra conservative Pentecostal church. Um, where you couldn't have lights in church. Lights was considered the devil, uh, the, the discotheque. We bring in the discotheque in the church. We couldn't have smoke machines in the church. Uh, you bring a smoke machine, it, it, was, it, was, it was synonymous to Satan. It was just crazy. And so uh, if you want to smoke, the Shekinah glory had to come because that was all the smoke. <laughs> It's crazy. Anyway, I was in a Christian concert, and this concert, um, there was this group that was singing, and they were singing one of the old-school Pentecostal songs. And if you've been in church for about 10, 15 years, there's a probability you might know this song. Um, and it's in Spanish. And it was like, El Espíritu Santo cayó. El Espíritu Santo cayó. El Espíritu Santo Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, whippersnappers, y'all know about this, all right. And, and, and it was just part of the, of the song on the Holy Ghost, and, and, and every time they would sing, and the Holy Spirit fell, and, and the more you would repeat that, it was just more, more fire and more of this. And so this band, uh, what they did was because, you know, the, the, in the Bible, uh, the dove, the bird, is symbolic to the Holy Spirit. So this band, they, um, they, they bought a bird, and they had him in a cage. And the plan was, when we start singing, El Espíritu Santo cayó, right? And cayó, cayó, cayó. At some point, we're going to let go of the bird. And the bird, we're going to loose it in the temple because it was in the church. And the bird's going to fly all over the church. And the idea was when the people saw the bird flying, that was supposed to connect them with the Holy Spirit. It was crazy. And, and let me tell you that the moment they let go of that bird, literally, literally, the church went crazy. 
hundreds of young people running and running and running and running and speaking in tongues. It was just crazy. It was powerful. And, and everybody's having church. Not me. I, I was looking at the bird because I know that birds poop while they're flying. So I'm like, he ain't going to get me. I just got a brand new jacket. And, 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 and the poor bird, the poor bird, he was flying, right? And everybody's running and making ruckus and noise. And the bird is trying to land, but he can't land nowhere because there's too much noise and too much. So he finally found, uh, you, know, the, 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 you know, back in the days, churches had curtains. So on the top of the curtain, he finds a little gap there, and, and, and he gets on top of, the, on top of the, 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 the curtain. And you see the poor bird asphyxiated, trying to catch his breath, and... And everybody's having church, and I'm looking at the bird. I'm like, poor bird. <laughs> but then a little bit to the left from the bird, as I look down, I see my wife. And, and when I saw my wife, everything just went slow motion. El Espíritu Santo cayó. El Espíritu Santo cayó. El Espíritu Santo. It was insane. Where's my wife? Oh, the Holy... Petty cayó también. It was insane. It was insane. And I looked at her, and I was like, oh, my God, she's beautiful. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I got to talk to her after the service, after the concert. So after the concert, I made it my business to talk to her. And, oh, my God, when I spoke to her, my God, I felt these goosebumps. You have no idea. What I felt when I talked to her. And so I was talking about, I, I had a trip to the Dominican Republic. I was preaching somewhere, and, and, and she engaged. The next day, she came to my church, because as much as my goosebumps got up, so did hers. The next Sunday, she showed up. Next day, she showed up to my church. And, and then the week after that, I went to her church. And, 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 and that's been on for 24 years that I've been married to my wife, to the glory of God. 24 years. Now. My question is, what is necessary for a loving family? Is it goosebumps? Is it a bird flying in the middle of a concert? Because I've been married for 24 years, and I only saw a bird once. I don't. I wake up in the morning, ain't no bird on my bed. Talk about, I wake up in the morning, you know, my back breath is kicking, and, and the cheese in my eyes is kicking, and ain't no bird, ain't no goosebumps. Goosebumps. So the question is, what is necessary for a loving family? What happens when the goosebumps feelings go? Because goosebumps are circumstantial. Some of y'all, some of y'all gonna get goosebumps February 14th. Oh, he got me chocolates. <laughs> she cooked my favorite meal. But what you going to do February 28th, March 15th, April 25th? See, 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 if, if, if love was the end result of what I feel, listen, 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 listen. I don't love my wife because I feel it. Because love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. We say it all the time, oh, girl, I remember when I fell in love. No, you didn't fall in love. You chose to love. Every morning my wife wakes up, she makes a logical, better-do-it decision to love me. 
She chooses to love me. Every morning I wake up, I choose. Today I'm going to love Petri more than I loved yesterday. Because if I were to love her simply on the premise of how I feel, sometimes I don't feel like loving her. Sometimes she doesn't feel like loving me. So love cannot be based on how I feel. Love has got to be the end result of the fact that I am going to choose to love. But choosing to love requires two things that I want to talk about today. We need to work and invest in order to, in order to have a love-healthy relationship. Now, I'm not just talking about husband and wives. We're going to talk about loving as it pertains to marriage. Loving as it pertains to relationship with parents and children. And loving as it pertains to young people who are single waiting for their important significant other. It's, it's the conglomeration of how do I work and invest in loving relationships in order to fight for what I love. And for that, I want to take you to a scripture. There's a man by the name of Nehemiah in the Bible. Nehemiah, the Lord uses him in a critical time in the time of history's nation, the nation of Israel. The Israelites went through what they called the diaspora, which was the dispersing of the Jews. And they took the elite men and women of Israel and they made them subservants of this kingdom. And the story tells us that among the greats, Nehemiah was taken. And the job that Nehemiah had in this kingdom was a, a cupbearer for the king. Now, to be a cupbearer for a king implied you were a trustworthy person. What was the job of a cupbearer? The job of a cupbearer was he would have to drink and taste anything before the king so that if that was poison, who would die first would be Nehemiah. It was a position of trust. It was a position of high regard because the king would only let close to him someone he trusted. So that means whenever the king was at a table, Nehemiah was there. When, when, when the king was talking to other kingdoms, Nehemiah was there. Nehemiah was exposed to the greatest of the greatest. Yet Nehemiah was in love with his nation, Jerusalem. Although he was in a position of prestige. Although he was surrounded by the greatest of the greatest, his heart was still attached to his city. His heart, his passion. He said, I might be living in a rich palace, but I'm in every day to pray and to love and to care for Jerusalem. And so he asked the king, he says, oh king, I have a request. Would you please grant me the opportunity to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Because what they did was when the diaspora, the diaspora occurred, when the dispersing of the Jews occurred, they destroyed the walls of Jerusalem because the walls of Jerusalem had seven doors or gates of entrance. And these gates were filled with jewels and stones and, and expensive uh, jewelry. And what they did was as they got rid of the Jewish people, the Israelites, 
They took out all of, the, all of the wealth from the walls of Jerusalem and they shattered the stones. That's why when you read again, when Jesus says that there will not be stone upon stone, that will not be edified. What, what, when, he, when he's talking about the temple, the temple was full of jewels and gold and silver and sapphire. And when, when the temple was destroyed, it was no rock upon rock or stone upon stone. Why? Because they took all of the jewelry out. So Nehemiah is in a place of prestige, yet he remembers that his city, that his home, that his homeland is in chaos. So what does he do? He pleads the king, give me an opportunity to rebuild my walls. He had so much love for Jerusalem that he couldn't afford staying happy in his position knowing that his loved nation was in chaos. When we talk about loving our families, it's not a love that only makes me feel good. But it's got to be a love that as you love, you reciprocate that to those around you. It's the kind of love that says, I am where I have to be, but my people are not where they ought to be. Can you help me, king, to help my people? It's fighting for what you believe. King grants him the opportunity to do so. And from the moment Nehemiah starts this project, we see that he has two things in his hands. And there are two things, church, that we need if we want to fight for what we love. There are two things that we need. Number one, knob in his hands. Because he had to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The hammer represents... <laughs> That you've got to be willing to work to rebuild the walls. You've got to be willing to work. Some things are not going to happen just because you want them to happen. You've got to be willing to work in your home. You've got to be willing to work in your marriage relationship. You've got to be willing to work in the relationship with your children. You can't just drop them off here on Children's Church and expect us to restore your kids. That's your job. God is saying, I have given you a hammer to work and rebuild your relationships. So the hammer represents work. The second thing he had on his other hand was a knife or a sword. So the hammer represents work at your family. The sword represents, I am willing to fight for what's mine. I am willing to stand in the trenches and stand in the gap. To fight in the spirit, I'm going to fight to protect what God has given me. You remember when you was going out with your wife? She was a girl. You remember? She couldn't walk on this side of the street. She had to walk on this side of the street, right? You always was holding up my hand. Talk about, don't let my hand go. But after you say, I do, things change. Things change. You walk wherever you want to walk. I don't care. I'm good. Matter of fact, I don't even hold my hand. <laughs> Your hands are sweaty. You know? yeah. We've lost the passion of working for relationships. And we've lost the passion of fighting for what we love. Nehemiah said, if y'all want to help me build this city, all I need you to have is a hammer and a sword. Let me submit to you that some things are not going to change in your family because you speak in tongues. 
Something's not going to change in your family because you come to church every Sunday. There are some things you got to be willing to work for. And sometimes who you can view before you can see results in your marriage. Some things you've got to be willing to work. And here's another one. Some things you've got to be willing to fight. Nehemiah was committed to Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to leave the palace. I'm going to leave prestige. I'm going to leave everything. And I'm going to grab on a hammer. And I'm going to grab on a knife. And in the palace, I have everybody serving me. But I love who I love so much, I am willing to get dirty and fight for what I love. Do you want to love your family that way? That's the question. Are you willing to love that way? He loved this nation so much that he decided, I'm going to rebuild it. It's not, I love you so much, you build it. It's, I love you so much, rebuilding starts with me. I love you so much, transformation is going to start with me. Now, I love you so much, I'm going to stay here till you change. That's not love. I love you so much, you figure it out. And when you get it ready, you let me know, and we continue. No, that's not love. It's willing to work, and love is willing to fight. And sometimes who you got to fight is yourself. Got to fight. Got to fight. You got to work at it. Nehemiah was willing to work at it. And while he's working and fighting, he's encouraging the people not to give up. Because let me tell you something, church. The greatest attack is not a terrorist attack. The greatest attack is not a financial attack. The greatest attack is not even a panic attack. The greatest attack is a family attack. Once the family is attacked and defeated, nothing in society will be able to stand. Here's the deal. Family cannot work outside of God. Let me rewind that. Family cannot work outside of God. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you live in. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what kind of clothes you wear. If God is not in the equation of your family, your family might look good for a while, but it's not. Why, 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 why? Because who created family? It was God. God, when there was not a husband and when, when the, there was not a wife and when there were no children, it was God by himself. God himself made a man. God himself made a woman. And man and woman in connection with God was the reason why family was good. But then family decided to make a decision outside of God. Now Eve takes from the tree and gives to her husband. It was excluding God out of their equation that caused the first chaos to happen in the family. You want to have success in your marriage? Listen, you got to put God in your business. You got to put God in your family. You got to put God in your children. You cannot exclude God after you pray to God to give you the person you got today. You can't just pray God, give me a man, then he gives you the man and you forget about God because God is the only only one that knows how to make that man be a man of God. You got to put God in your. God has to be in your relationships. Your relationships. You know how many husbands and wives live together but can't stand each other? 
Now don't look at your neighbor. Look at me. Some of them are just together to pay the bills. Waiting for your kids to be 18. And you're thinking, I just need another man. Like you need a pair of shoes. I just need a pair of shoes. These are worn out new shoes. I'm, no, no, you can't. You're going to get another man. You're going to get another woman. And you're going to be the same way because the problem is not the man that's new or old. The problem is, are you willing to work and fight for what you got? So I've, I've counseled people, I've counseled people where the husband is in this corner angry at the wife and the wife is in this corner angry at the husband and the husband is demanding his wife some stuff and the wife is himself and he's not budging and she's not budging and I'm saying, you know what, this marriage ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. But I got an antidote for this crisis. Here's what you got to do. And some of y'all who took counseling know what I'm talking about. I said, here's what you got to do. Forget trying to put expectations on your wife and forget trying to put expectations on your husband. Right now, when you look at her, you don't see the goosebump bird flying all over the concert girl you saw 20 years ago. No, no. So what you got to do now is take your eyes off of her and take your eyes off of him. And now y'all start walking towards Jesus. Because when she starts walking towards Jesus... And he starts walking towards Jesus. Guess who they're going to find in the middle? God is going to be in the middle. And God's going to be the glue that's going to connect them back together again. But you've got to work in your relationship with God so that your family relationships can work. you got to work at it. Nehemiah says, we've got to work. Because there's an, listen, there's an attack against family. There's an attack against spouses. There's an attack against children. We think just because we come to church, we're solving the problem. You got to work. You got to fight. You got to stand in the gap. For your children, for your spouse, and even for your relationships. I told you this year. I told you this year. December last year, 31st. December 31st, I told you. 2018, I'm going to be selective in the friends I'm going to have. Because I'm only going to have friends that I'm willing to fight for. I only want to be around friends that I'm willing to protect. I'm going to, be, I'm going to surround myself with people that I'm willing to fight for, that I know they got my back as well, that they, they're going to fight for me like I'm going to fight for them. We got to be willing, church, to fight for what we love. Nehemiah was like, I'm going gung-ho. I'm going to do this. I'm leaving the palace, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to build, and I'm going to restore my city. Who's with me? Look what the Bible says. Nehemiah tells the people, chapter 4, verse 14. It says, after I looked things over, and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He doesn't just tell them to fight for marriages. He tells them to fight for family. Listen to me, you that are married. Every couple must be willing to do two things if they want a successful Marriage relationship. Number one, you have to be a couple who is willing to be committed to God. 
We as couples must be willing to be committed to God. You want a successful marriage? Commit your marriage to God. We have to be more committed to God than we are to our spouses. Number two, we must be committed to each other in that order. In that order. Committed as a couple to God. Committed as a couple to each other. In that order. I can't be committed to my spouse and then get committed to God. Ain't going to work. I have to be committed to God and then be committed to my spouse. Now, 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 listen to what I'm going to say now. Because I said we have to be committed as a couple. Somebody say couple. What does that mean? That commitment takes two people. I can't be the only one committed to this and you doing French manicures. I can't be the only one committed to this and you watching football games. In order for any relationship to work, the couple has got to be committed. It's a two-fold contract. It's, I'm going to put my part, and you're going to put your part. And as we commit to God, we commit to each other. And this applies children and parents. Can, can, can I teach? Parents, we expect our kids to commit so much to us, yet we don't commit to them. You better respect me. I'm the mother. I'm the father. Is what I say. Okay. What the Bible says. We have to love our children. Because I said so is not enough. Because I'm the man of the house, don't count. Uh-uh. There's got to be a sense of mutual respect and mutual commitment. I have three kids. Gabrielle, the drummer, and the guy that did transition. I have three kids. We talk all the time, all the time. Times when they talk, I feel they disrespect me. Can I be real? Now, when I say I feel the disrespect me, it's not that they disrespect me. It's that this thing, there's this thing in me called macho man. I don't know what I'm talking about. And sometimes in my mind, in my mind, I see myself body slamming one of my boys. Don't you ever talk to your father like that? You hear me? <laughs> Listen, listen, listen. I'm going, to, I'm going somewhere with this. If I take the approach of putting my macho man foot down and show an authority that is not authority, that's just manipulation, I will limit my children from expressing themselves to their father. So I have to now communicate to them in a way 
that I let them know that I am still the spiritual authority over the house, validate their perspective on the conversation we're having. Because who is, who is to say that my opinion is the best? Because I'm 46 and he's 27. He's not 27, he's 22. So I got to be careful because I'm building my children as I talk with my children. And what I build in them will determine how they will be when they get married. So it's important that I understand that my responsibility as a husband, as a father to my children, is not to demand, but also to meet demand. It's not to demand. It's not to demand. Because I said so, that doesn't work. It's let me help you. Take the hammer and build your family. Take the hammer and build your daughter. Take the hammer and build your son. And if you're not, and if you're in a, in a, in a mixed marriage that you had kids with another spouse and you had kids with, and now y'all together and you have all these kids together, you got to build each other up. You can't just build yours. Well, yeah, yeah, that's her kids. No, devil is a liar. That's your kid. Build your house. Restore your family. Rekindle the love in your marriage and rekindle the relationship with your offspring. That's what he says. He says, oh, I, you don't need to understand that this is more than this. This is about your sons, your daughters, your wives, your marriages, and your homes. Listen to me, church. When couples are committed in any relationship, marriage, platonic, sons and, sons and parents, daughters and parents, when, when couples are committed, separation is not an option. Because, because listen, man, I know y'all hungry. I'm going to take my time, and, and y'all be good. Listen. Listen. One thing is fight for your marriage. Another thing is endure your marriage. I'm fighting, and I'm fighting, and I'm fighting, and my wife is still unfaithful and unfaithful, and she's not working, and she's not committed, and, she's not, and you're, you're depleting yourself. Let me tell you, there's one thing greater than marriage to God, and that is life. Life is more valuable to God than the person you're married to. So if you are giving and committed and committed and committed and committed and that man or that woman doesn't commit and that lack of commitment is causing you to be depressed, having anxiety, panic attacks, can't sleep, you're stressed out, low self-esteem, you have a spirit of inferiority complexes and you're just messed up. Listen, your life is more important than that marriage. And I, listen, I'm not promoting divorce. I'm not promoting separation. I'm promoting that you, if you're with a person who don't want to fight like you're fighting and commit like you're committing, you got to pray God either change him or kill him. Because ain't no way in the world I'm going to be beat up in a corner in the living room of my house and you're clubbing in a club. The devil is a liar. Because I love that I love me more. The Bible says love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I got to be right with me before I be right with you. And if you don't want to get right. You got to work at it.
I work at it. But pastor, I don't know what else to do. When is enough? At what point do I quit? That's a good question. That's why we have counseling. And we have coaching. But until you get to that place, let me tell you what the poet Guy said in one of his songs. Just chill. <laughs> ah! Y'all know about Guy. Just chill. <laughs> you got to put that. <laughs> chill. Marriage is a work in progress. Chill. Just because he came to Jesus on a Sunday and two hours of service, he, listen, he's been a drug addict, he's been a liar, he's been a cheater, he's been an adulterer, she's been, a, she's been messed up and jacked up 20 years of her life. Now, you got to just chill and let the Holy Ghost do what he can do in her life. And you got to work at it, and you got to build, and you got to fight, and you got to protect. And he who has begun the good work in you is able and willing to complete it. Nehemiah tells God's people three things that are important. First thing he tells them is, we got to do away with fear. The first thing he says is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to invest in your marriage and your family. Don't be afraid to be honest. Don't be afraid to love your family. Don't be afraid to expose yourself. Second thing he tells them is, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Because you cannot have fear while simultaneously remembering on the goodness of the Lord at the same time. The moment you do away with fear, yes, last week we talked about Peter on the boat. You fix your eyes on the Savior. And things will work out all right. The moment you take your eyes off of Jesus, fear will inundate you again. So we got to do away with fear, fix our eyes on the Lord and his wonderful works and his wonderful uh, miracles. And then after we do that, check this out, after we do that, Nehemiah says, fight for your family. For your spouse. Fight for your children. Children, fight for your parents. He says, fight. Some things we cannot let in our home. Some things we got to be willing to kill. Some things are not negotiable in my home. Are you willing to fight and kill the thing that is destroying your family? Lord, 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 if you can do it, no, he ain't going to do nothing. He gave you a knife. Fight. 
Lord, you know, that woman, she keep, she keep coming every time I go to the water cooler. She keep coming with her high heels and her little thing. And she's trying to, she's trying to tempt me. Lord, would you put the Holy Spirit? No, here you go. No, no, no. Fight. Call the heifer by her name and tell her, get out of my face. Don't you know I'm married? Don't you know I got a wife? Don't you know I got a kid? Get out of my face. Some things you got to fight. Some things you got to take out that knife of the spirit and say, you come against me with a sword and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord and my house will serve the Lord. Listen, you got to protect what's yours. You got to protect what's yours. I'll kill anybody who messes with my kids. I kill anybody who messes with my wife. Pastor, you can't kill. The Bible says thou shalt not kill. The Bible don't say thou shalt not kill. Let me explain. Nobody said, y'all laughing. Nobody said amen. Let me explain. That's good. God gave ten commandments, right? One of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not kill. Now, when the Bible says don't kill, the Bible is not saying to don't kill. Because if the Bible says, the, if, the, if God told Moses to tell the people don't kill, why did in the book of Joshua, God tell Moses and Joshua, kill the Midianites, kill the Amalekites, kill the Hebesites, kill the Philistines, and kill mothers, kill sons, kill animals? If, if, if God said thou shalt not kill, why does he send a decree? Ah, because don't kill in the Ten Commandments is not the killing I'm talking about. When the Bible says thou shalt not kill, the Bible is saying, the Bible is saying thou shalt not commit homicide. What is to commit homicide? You're walking down the street and I, out of evil intentions, I'm going to go and kill you for no good reason. God said, don't do that. Why not? Because killing in the Ten Commandments is the word homicide. But there's another way that you kill somebody and that is through self- defense. Self-defense is not considered murder. Self-defense is you're coming into my house, breaking in my house with my kids and my baby and my wife, and you want to come in. No, no. You come to my house, I'm going to stab you. Not literally. Not literally. <laughs> Please don't put this on the app. You come to my house, I got the right to defend myself. You come to, that's why God told Moses, I'm going to give you the land of the Philistines and the enemies are there, but I'm going to give you the sword of fight so that you can fight and get what belongs to you and get your children back. I'm going to tell you, church, fight for your marriage, fight for your children, fight for your home, put on your marriage and the devil on your house and fight for what you love. I remember one time, I was in my office. Oh, yeah, I'm a preacher. I was, no, 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 I'm not. I'm submitting to my wife. I remember one time I was in my office, and a young lady wanted to make an appointment with me. She, she wanted to make an appointment here, baby. She wanted to make an appointment with me, right? And my wife, my wife was in the office area. And, and, and this girl didn't have the nicest reputation. And when she, came, when she came to my office to meet with me, she had these tight pants and a cleavage all the way to her belly button. I, I'm talking about it was just crazy. And I'm in my office 
But my wife, when she saw that Beelzebub, <laughs> she said, uh uh-uh. She said, uh-uh, for this one, honey, I'm going to sit down in this meeting. The girl felt so uncomfortable. So Gabby's wife in a, in a meeting with me, it, it, it was because my wife said, I ain't going to, and listen, my, my wife said, no, no way in the world. I'm going to let a hoochie like you get next to my man. I'm going to fight for what I love. You, you see that little girl right there, a five-foot-tall mess with me, see what happened. She going to start throwing you tiny stars because he who has a good wife has a good thing you got to understand this when it comes to your house and when it comes to your marriage and when it comes to your children and the devil try to come in your house that's not the time to sing uh, breathe on me that's not the time to open the bible in psalms 25 that's the time to get the sword and tell the devil you got five seconds to get out my house you got five seconds to leave my family because i'm gonna fight for what's mine. You gotta fight for it. Fight for it. Because if you love it, you're willing to fight for it. If you love it, you're willing to invest in it. If you love it, you're willing to die for it. Why do we serve Jesus? Because he was willing to fight for us. He was willing to die for us. And then after he rose from the dead, he says, I ain't going to leave you alone. I'm sending my Holy Spirit with you. And he's going to protect you. And he's going to be with you every single day until the end. That's love. Love is not a feeling. Feelings come and go. Love is a choice. I'm going to love my wife. She's going to love me till we get old. And some of y'all probably got divorced. And you're afraid to enter into a new relationship because you're stuck in the trauma of the past. Today, it's not over because you're divorced. Some of y'all are in a new relationship. I'm here to tell you, work at that relationship. But in the next five minutes, I know it's late, I want to speak to the young adults. Because, you know, we always talk about um, marriage, always talk about husband and wife. I'm going to talk to the, younger, the, the, the single young adults here. Fight for you. Fight for you. Work at you. No, when I get married, then. No, start now. Love you first. Love you first. You know, I'm so sad, Pastor, because, you know, nobody bought me flowers for Valentine's. I don't got Buy your own chocolates and get your own flowers and take yourself out to dinner. And go to that restaurant. And when he asks you, party or two? No, party or one. By myself. Tear it up. Tear it up. Tear it up. Love you. You don't need a man to love you. You don't need a woman to love you. That's the problem why people get married. Looking for something they don't have. You got to be complete in you. Love you. Respect you. Value you. So that when you find a man and a woman, you can find somebody just like you. You got to fight for you. 
got to work at you. You don't want to get in a marriage with all that craziness you got. Fix that stuff. Because marriage is not goosebumps. The day we got married, oh my God, that was beautiful. But that's the beginning of a lot of work. I want to get married, Pastor. Let me ask a question. How many times they turned off your phone because you can't pay the bill? You can't pay a phone bill. What makes you think you're going to pay rent? Some of y'all don't even change your oil on time. And your car cracks up and the engine breaks. The devil is in my car. No, you ain't, you, you ain't put $20 to fix that sucker. Now you want to get married. Now you want to get married. But you can't even handle paying a phone bill. It, 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 it's working on me. It's fighting for me. I'm going to fight for me. When people try to poison this and poison this, I'm going to fight it. No, you, we, can't be, we cannot be friends this year. Sorry, Papa. You're too toxic. You too. Every time I hang out with you, I leave poisonous. I can't hang out with you because I'm saving myself. I love me enough to stay by myself until God brings me the person. God has me. It's, it's, it's do you love that thing enough to fight for it? Do you love your spouse enough to fight for it? Under who? A couple to make it work. Do you love your children enough to fight for them? Children! Do you love your parents enough to honor and respect them? Singles, do you love yourself enough to equip yourself for the day God has appointed for you? And here's another one, and I close. There are some young adults here that will never get married. And it ain't because you're ugly or because you ain't pretty. That's just not your gift. Don't get depressed. And don't leech to the first person that looks at you weird. Enjoy your singlehood. Enjoy life. And fight for what's yours. This Wednesday... At every one of our hope groups in English, we're going to talk about things you can fight for. We did a little video. It's going to be in every house. If you're not in a hope group, with the exception of my hope groups, if you're not in a hope group, you need to sign in one today. You need to connect the hope group today as we're going to give continuity to this at our hope groups in Jesus' name. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you, God. Because you loved us enough to fight for us. You loved us enough to work in us. And you loved us enough to do away in our hearts with the fear that overwhelms us. And so, Father, now today we're going to surrender ourselves to you and in an act of obedience, yield and drop the pretenses and the excuses of why my family is not healthy and growing and hold on to the greatest weapons you've given us 
a hammer to work and a sword to fight. All over this room, if today you're willing to drop the excuses and grab a hammer and a sword, if today you're willing to drop the blame game and grab on that sword and grab on the hammer and work and fight for your home. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.